Now, Tegan Smythe, CEO and founder of Grassroots Future, has been a guest on the 123 show a couple of times, talking about the great work that the charity does in Hong Kong, supporting refugees and grassroots organizations. And as we speak, I know they are actively helping the community through the pandemic. Today, Tegan joins me as a guest on Soundbite to share some of those very special memories she has attached to a particular food. And I can't wait to hear from her. So let me just welcome her on the show now. Good afternoon to you, Tegan. Hi, Sadia. Good afternoon. Thanks for having me again. Yeah, good to have you on. It's always lovely to hear from you. But you're here on a kind of a different side now with Soundbite. But before we go into Soundbite, I just wanted to really ask you, because I know you're awfully busy at the moment with Grassroots Charity, um, Grassroots Future. Now, tell me, what sort of things are you up to? Are you this, Has the pandemic really sort of affected you guys? Absolutely. So right now, government offices are closed, and that is the place that the refugee community picks up their monthly food allowance uh, toiletries. So we're working very closely with our partner refugee union to fill in the gaps. So we've been distributing supermarket vouchers right now, given the amount of food shortages in the supermarkets. We're actually pivoting to just giving cash relief. Um, We're directing in-kind donations. So uh, we're working closely with them to to basically help with the toiletries and personal care items. Uh, so if anyone's interested, anyone listening to this is interested, um, Refugee Union has a live appeal for food in-kind donations and we are giving cash relief and also um, coordinating hygiene items uh, for them as offices will be closed for some time. Now, do you have quite a, a team on the ground who are doing this? Because obviously everything takes resources and then obviously everything has a certain risk to it when you're getting out and about. Yeah, absolutely. So it's actually, Grassroots Future is a very small organization. It's just myself and uh, one other team member. We work closely with members of Refugee Union. So they have a membership of 2,000 people, of which around 200 active members. So we have about three community leaders that we work closely with. So um, anything that we sort of coordinate, we work with um, those individuals. And, you know, we have volunteers in the community that are pulling their weight and helping out, which is awesome. Um, but I think, you know, I'm, I'm not sort of being hyperbolic. I think even the very large organizations in this space are really struggling right now because, yeah. you know, everything is a little bit like a Band-Aid. Um, you know, if I guess the, the government offices aren't open and people are not able to, um, you know, get their food allowance or, you know, facing kind of illness because of COVID. Oh, and that's just this thing about taking one day at a time and really doing the best you can. And obviously, you know, people who want to support you and some of the work that you're doing, they can, you know, go to the website and check out that because you, you, I know you had an appeal a number of weeks ago that we talked about. Yeah. Yep. So that appeal is still live. Um, since we last spoke, um, we've just passed the quarter threshold of um, the total amount that we're seeking to raise, you know, which is a really amazing result. And, you know, I have to thank those that have taken the time to donate and help us out. Um, but the appeal is still live. So if people are interested in supporting, they can go to our social media pages on both Facebook and Instagram and they can see the appeal there. It's called the Year of the Tiger Appeal. That's fantastic. Okay, now I'm going to move on now to Soundbite. Um, Soundbite, for anyone who's just tuned in, is really just an opportunity for my guests to share some memories that they link to sort of particular food. And sometimes these memories can be good, can be bad, can just have a significant 
place in your heart, you know. So, so now, you, what have you chosen? Um, so I think the photo that I sent you was actually a dish that I make quite a lot. It's a Chinese dish. Uh, the Cantonese name for it is yuheng kezi and Mandarin is yuxiang qiezi. And it basically translates, it doesn't sound very appealing, it translates as fish-scented eggplant. Um, well, but actually really the, nice. dish <laughs> <laughs> the dish originates in Sichuan and typically it's actually vegetarian. Um, and so I actually like to kind of mix it up because the Hong Kong version, it's very popular in Hong Kong as well. Uh, they typically add dried fish to it, um, but I basically experiment with different vegetarian options. So sometimes I add omni pork, sometimes I try to use different vegetables, you know, to have a bit of like umami. But um, I think I chose that dish just because um, my favorite ingredient to cook with is probably eggplant. Oh, and I love it. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and so it was very hard to narrow down one dish. So I actually think it's easier to talk to an ingredient. Uh, yeah, I, I definitely grew up eating a lot of eggplant, whether it was uh, cooked in a Chinese way, uh, maybe cooked kind of in like a lasagna or a parmesan. But actually, I was um, very funnily, um, my mum was a migrant to Australia in the late 70s, and she actually got an appetite for Middle Eastern food. Um, so this girl from Hong Kong who's never had any sort of context or um, I guess knowledge of Middle Eastern food mm -hmm. suddenly became obsessed with it. So I actually grew up eating different iterations of baba ganoush. I was going to just say baba ganoush and some of these imam bayaldi and stuff. Yeah, amazing <laughs> stuff. Yeah, yeah. I, I think the I think the eggplant is a bit underrated actually because I I am a great fan of eggplant and and it's funny because yesterday I made moussaka and um, oh, it was just amazing. all lovely eggplants and then I got some um, you know I did I got plant based mints and and use that so that you don't feel guilty about eating it if there's beef and stuff in it. Yeah, but that's great. So, so in terms of your memories, I mean, going back when, since when, I mean, sometimes children have a little bit of a thing towards eggplant. They're not too keen on it. It's something that develops. I think they have a taste for it later. So is that something how about you? Was it like from a young age? That you I think for it? me, I actually always loved it. Um, I, I never had any issue eating vegetables. I think for me, I was picky about eating certain types of meat, which probably was very annoying mm -hmm. um, for my family. But yeah, I, I never had um, any issues with eggplant. I think it's definitely something I've constantly enjoyed. But uh, I do know that some people have eggplant allergies because eggplant is a nightshade. So I mm -hmm. think that potentially that's an issue for some people. But yeah, I just think it's just one of the most universal ingredients it's so just versatile up flavor. yeah. yeah and it's amazing i think it's great and i suppose it's very healthy for you too because calorie wise it's not kind of massive or anything like that now you exactly. know it's it's kind of hard like do you do a lot of cooking are you sort of cooking a lot or do you tend to sort of buy things from outside as well uh to be honest i do cook a lot um i think only in the pandemic have i really sort of looked sometimes at you know ordering on food pan or delivery um and that's you know i guess when i've felt like very tired mm. but i think you know i actually derive a lot of joy in cooking even you know if i've had a busy day i still kind of prefer having the feeling of being able to yeah like control the um salt quantity like the oil quantity in food um you don't really get that same level of control when you you know 
uh, order food from a yeah, delivery yeah, place. That's right. Yeah. Um, if somebody wants to have a look at the dish that she's talking about, you can actually go to my Facebook page, Sadia Osmani, on Radio 3 RTHK. And actually, you were kind of in two minds as to which dish to to kind of talk about in terms of your memories. Yeah. You have another picture there, I think, too, of which looks like lovely seek kebab type things, you know, on a skewer. So what was that then? Tell me about that one. Uh, So I think that was probably the last memorable trip that I went on. So the plate, I got it in um, Tashkent in Uzbekistan. And the kebabs were actually uh, shish kebab. And Mm. I used the same spices that um, they use in Uzbek cooking. I had some spice packets that I bought there. So I think I was just, um, I think it was probably sometime last year, I just sort of felt very nostalgic uh, for the trip that I went on in 2019 and I thought oh I need to create this taste again Um, but yeah it's uh it's funny isn't it it was a hit yeah it's (laughs) funny how those you know those things that you eat abroad and stuff those immediately all those memories come flooding back you've just said Tashkent and I remember a couple of few couple of years ago I went to Uzbekistan as well and there was this beautiful cafe just next to the water and it was there was a kind of a big pool type thing in the middle of this cafe and they had this cold like a mist just coming out as you were eating. It was beautiful, just spraying you with this cool mist. And yeah. yes, the Sikh kebabs and stuff were absolutely amazing. <laughs> yeah. And I think they're pilov, isn't it? Pilov, yeah. I make pilov actually quite often. I'm not sure if I sent you that photo, but, um, you know, I think that's something that definitely once you try it once, I suppose it's a bit like, you know, Birani, you know, it's it's hard to find a really good version mm-hmm. unless you go to a place where people eat it a lot. So, you know, I guess ever since I went on that trip, it was very hard to, you know, find reliable club elsewhere. There is one Central Asian restaurant in Hong Kong, but I don't really know how they're doing. Yeah, um, I have been COVID. to one, so, actually, uh, that had yeah. Yeah, I think you recommended it, actually. I did, I did yeah. And it was quite good. Yeah. It was very good. Good. Okay, so those are your memories. Now, in terms of um, food in your childhood, was what kind of food were you brought up with? So I am biracial. As My you were saying about Middle Chinese. East and stuff yeah. too. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's, it's funny how the Middle Eastern kind of... Um, fits in there so my my dad is uh australian of irish background and my mum is chinese from hong kong um but basically i grew up eating lots and lots of different types of food um my mum was very interested in middle eastern food and also i think you know growing up in sydney for the early years of my childhood there's like a massive diaspora of you know lebanese uh people in particular so um, it was just very normal for me to, you know, go out and eat like falafel and hummus. That's and lovely. Stuff. And, and yeah, I mean, like now it's it seems so kind of ordinary. Like you just go to like M and S or any supermarket, and you'll you'll be able to buy hummus in a in a tub. But I think back then it still wasn't something you'd get in a supermarket. But, but there'd be lots of like family stores and and different kind of small uh, mum and pop shops where you could you know buy baklava fresh and things like that. So these are all memories I have. Um, you know, from Australia. And of course, you know, um, there's sort of like the British influence there that, you know, I think everyone's used to, like, you know, re- having a really good 
meat pie. You know, mm. th- these are things. There's so many <laughs> things, aren't there? That's right. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, you also have been pretty active um, in terms of working with refugees and the whole food scene. I mean, that's very much your thing, isn't it? So some of these things that you're mentioning, yeah. they are available and people will make them really well. I've had some of the Egyptian stuff. So is that still ongoing? We can still kind of obviously once the pandemic has, has calmed down a bit, that they'll still be an active part of the charity? It's still going to be an active part Mm -hmm. of the charity, which just does. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, obviously our in-person events will have to be on hold for the meantime, but we did do this ingredient box in January where we we included different recipes from the community um, and also the fresh ingredients. So we're looking to do something similar with a different cuisine sometime in March uh, or April. So moving quite quickly, I think though, just given the current sort of stress on the whole charity sector right now, it's probably more likely going to be in April, yeah. but please look out for it. We will yeah. have another ingredient box and okay. at least people can recreate stuff that at home. That sounds amazing. Okay, well, Tegan, thank you so very much for coming on Soundbite. And I wish you luck with everything that's going on. And again, like, you know, I know everyone's involved. We're trying to help in the pandemic. And I know you guys are doing your part of it completely. So people can go over to your website and check if they want to sort of support you in any way at all. But thank you very much coming on Soundbite. And um, I hope to see you again soon. Perhaps you. once you've got your ingredients box out, we'll have you back. Yeah, on. thanks. All right. Okay, then. Thanks very much. Then. <laughs> awesome. Okay. Okay then, bye-bye. Bye-bye.